0: Welcome back to Office Thursdays with another mini-sode of Bears Beats Battlestar Galactica, a retrospective on NBC's The Office. I'm your co-host, Cameron DeLamp, and Colby's still in Africa, but we invite you to join along with us as we watch and discuss every episode of NBC's The Office. So without further ado, this is Bears Bears, Bears, Beats Beats, 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 Battlestar Battlestar Galactica. Galactica.
1: Galactica. Galactica.
0: Bears Beats Bears. All right, welcome back to another mini-sode. We are slowing it down for the summer, looking back on the first five seasons of The Office. And today we are on to Season 3. I tried to prepare better this time by just having Season 3 in a loop in the background all last week. Uh, it helps and it doesn't help. I've been sick. I've had more time to watch the show, but I've been totally nyquil out and out of my brain. And uh, I was also watching Glow and Barry, so those were really distracting, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I know it's not the least bit Office-related, but go watch Glow on Netflix and Barry on HBO, if you haven't already. I, I even checked, and all the producers and whatnot between the two shows, they've they've all got prolific careers in television and comedy that somehow do not intersect at all with The Office. Like, there's several degrees of separation going on, which is to say that this is purely me bringing up something I've watched recently. <laughs> oh, uh, there is, on Barry... There's prolific funny man Steven Root, the stapler guy from The Office Space. Uh, he also voiced Bill Dotrieve and a bunch of other characters in King of the Hill, which was made by Greg Daniels and featured Daniel's brother-in-law, Paul Lieberstein, in the writer's room. <laughs> so he's on Barry, so I feel like that's enough of a connection to mention the show. Although now I'm curious why they never got Steven Root to show up as like a guest star on The Office in any capacity. It seems like he'd be perfect for that and has the connections to both of the showrunners. Maybe he would be too close to his office space character anyway. On to The Office Season 3. So spoiler alert, uh, this season's great. We are coming hot off the heels of uh, a fantastic Season 2 and the cliffhanger style events that ended it. Do a quick recap for Season 2 anyway. Pam and Roy are nearing the date of their wedding. Jim puts in a transfer request to another branch because he can't handle that shit. And then, come Casino Night, the finale, Jim and Pam kiss, but what happens next? Also, there's branch closing still looming, and Michael is sort of fucking around with his boss, so how much has that affected Scranton's odds? But, I mean, we know how it turns out now, of course, but... At the time, what a a way to end a season. And now getting into season three... (laughs) Uh, wikipedia had kind of a great summary of the whole season but i i I, I tell you i'm actually regretting checking the article on season three because it's really fleshed out and will leave little room for me to do my own analysis on the season but anyway let me read this verbatim from wikipedia wikipedia is the best thing ever
2: So you know you are getting the best possible information.
0: The season marked the move of main character Jim Halpert from Scranton to Stamford and also introduced Rashida Jones as Karen Filippelli and Ed Helms as Andy Bernard, both members of Dunder Mifflin Stamford, as recurring characters. Helms would later be promoted to series regular. The main plot for the early episode of the season deals with a recurring problem in seasons one and two, the problem of company downsizing. Well, in the last half of the season, inter-office relationships also become a major plot point. Specifically that of Pim, Pim Jam, and Karen; Pam, Jim, and Karen, Dwight, and Angela, and lastly, Michael and Jan Levinson. So yeah, big season. We finally get an answer to all this downsizing that's going on. We finally get an answer to the will they won't they for Jim and Pam. I mean, obviously there's a lot more to talk about in the season, but I feel like it nails the broad strokes on that Wikipedia summary. Uh, it's a real roller coaster season, season three. There is a fair amount we could go into. Um, I think it's worth mentioning. I'm just looking through so many notes here. This is too much to deal with. Uh, it's worth mentioning, I think in our very first episode, Colby and I made the claim that the show hadn't won any Emmys, when we perhaps meant to say Steve Carell never won any Emmys for the show. Uh, subtle difference, but important, I guess. Maybe we clarified it then, but for the third season of The Office, I think it got seven Emmy nominations, including Outstanding Comedy Series. Only one, two, though, uh, outstanding writing for Gay Witch Hunt and outstanding editing for The Job, the finale. This is actually sounding familiar now, <laughs> looking at these notes here. Uh, this is the part where I heap scorn on 30 Rock for winning the comedy series Emmy. I'm getting a real deja vu. Uh, I guess I expected that to happen in a recap of a recap. But damn you, 30 Rock, for getting that Emmy. It, it, the Office really deserved it for the season. Holy hell, season three. I'm going to be really trying to delay getting to the rundown of episodes, like I did for the last one, um, the must-watch episodes of the season list. I'm really afraid I'm going to end up summarizing every episode. This season, season three, definitely stands out as perhaps my favorite of the series. It's always a toss. I'm still even now. This is a toss-up between seasons two and three for favorite. But this time around, it really feels like season three stepped it up a notch and won me over. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's because I watched it so much in the background over the past few weeks, and it's just fresh in my mind, and I'm really enjoying it. But uh, it, it it seems like it stepped it up a notch in a bunch of ways. It's not just I mentioned that it resolved some of the series long storylines so far, the downsizing and the Jim and Pam getting together, all sort of the same story arcs that uh, that happened and got resolved in the British Office finally coming to term in the season three. But uh, but but by this point, the show has really come onto its own terms. The it's definitely its own show compared to the british office at this point there's a lot of um how do i put it like interpersonal drama not even just interpersonal drama just drama this season they really they they bring a lot of stakes up like it's not just that they come to terms with the with the resolution of the jim pam thing the resolution of the downsizing all that stuff they managed to merge uh, there how many episodes in like 50 something epi- there's so many episodes into the show at this point way more than 12 like the bbc one got but I'm I'm just loving in general just how like dramatic the, the the season is. There's a lot of interpersonal drama in the relationships, and there's also a lot of high stakes going on. Uh, and it's in the office of the kind of show that can have a funny season start to finish while peppering it with these grounded, believable dramatic pieces. That it, it it's satisfying. It's it engages the viewer in a satisfying way. For example, I'm not just talking out my ass. Uh, for example, <laughs> after the will they won't they of season two. We saw it went so hard in season two, that will they, won't they, Jim and Pam. Season three steps it up with the Pam, Jim, Karen love triangle, and then even throws Roy into the mix for a few episodes. Then, you know, turn it over to the Michael, Jan, and Carol of it all. After dipping their toes in season two into that little relationship, season three goes all out, and we see Michael totally blow it with Carol for the first half of the season. And the back half of the season, it's Jan spiraling out of control with her job and her relationship. And generally just going crazy. <laughs> and and then it ends with Michael interviewing for her job and making the whole situation worse. And then, then there's also season three has some pretty satisfying conflict in uh, uh, Andy Bernard. He's this new antagonist to the show. Uh, uh, he instigates Dwight's firing right away. And he's a total kiss ass in both branches, Stanford and Scranton. Um, Dwight betrays Michael earlier in the season, which leads to that... You know, being able to instigate his firing by Andy so easily. Um, but then Andy just reveals his own incompetence and anger issues in a fun way. I don't know. It's uh, it's a real roller coaster of the season where, especially that first time watching, you really don't know what's going to happen next during a lot of episodes. There's a lot of misleads in the middle of episodes as to what's going to happen next. Especially the finale. Uh, the season also lays down a new theme for the not a new theme. It really fleshes out a theme for the show, which it really goes into a lot more in seasons four and five, which is uh, Michael having these conflicts and showdowns with upper management and corporate. And I like how they, they use these interactions in, uh, in like season two, especially they use these interactions to lay out Michael's credentials. Like here's an opportunity for Michael to show that he is actually capable of doing this job. And here's why he's not been fired yet. Like, uh, season two, Valentine's Day, he's doing that presentation at corporate in New York. He actually has the information he was supposed to in addition to that stupid video he's doing. Uh, and in this season, he lays out his qualifications for a raise with Daryl really well. Uh, he's put in charge after they merged the branches. He somehow never asked for a raise in 14 years, but uh, but he's very capably able to talk up his branch performance, even if it does become really personal in that interview with Jan. Then uh, Then, of course, he's able to talk himself up really well to... David Wallace in that interview in the finale. Uh he does sound like a capable guy until you, you know, if you, you dig any deeper, like the Rashida Jones inside scoop, he'd be terrible. He'd be a disaster. I don't remember the exact quote. And then of course, I mean there's there's just the fun and silly conflicts Michael has uh with his business disputes that that don't necessarily show him in a good light. I mean, they still come up, but like he's making business abuse with Jan Personal. And uh, my my personal favorite, of course, is when he steps up the drama when uh, in branch closing, when he and Dwight stake out David Wallace's house in an attempt to to stop the branch from closing. It's a whole (laughs) and I mean, all this is sort of just to lay out how compelling season three is to me, which you probably already know. I mean, if you like the show, you probably really love season three. But I'm also just sort of trying to convince myself that it's better than season two because I really am on the fence about it. Uh, this is uh, two of the best seasons of the show, easily, two and three. It's tough. Then I think I just need to get into the rundown already, the rundown of the, the best or the must-watch episodes of the season. <laughs> I'm going to take a brief break beforehand, get something to drink, collect my thoughts, take a breath. But um, I'll leave you on one of the many bits of drama and cliffhangers that come up throughout the season, just mid-episode. I'll just go ahead and uh, I'll just go ahead and drop a cliffhanger on you. I'm gonna go. This is, of course, from uh, C- episode I don't know, 17 or 18, whatever you want to call it. Cocktails. Are they gonna call the cops? No, I paid them off. Jet ski money?
3: All of it. I'm gonna kill that.
0: Bears, Bears beats. Bears beats. Jim helper. Oh no, man! What a reveal! That's who he's gonna kill. That was a fun cliffhanger. That was, of course. Roy, uh, after Pam broke up with him again, threatening to kill Jim for kiss... I don't know the whole... It's 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 Roy overreacting, led to a classic moment in the next episode. We'll get into it in the rundown here. This is, of course, the rundown, the, the, the list of must-watch episodes of the season where I try not to list literally every episode. So let's get into it. <laughs> with, of course, the first episode, episode one, Gay Witch Hunt. We find out that Jim has transferred to another branch, that Pam has broken off her engagement with Roy... And that Oscar is a homosexual. Karen Filippelli and Andrew, Andy, Andrew Bernard, the Nard dog, are introduced in the Stanford branch. There's that great moment where Jim realizes Andy's like just as annoying as Dwight, but he has anger problems so he can't prank him the same. But then he still gets to prank Dwight back at Scranton with the gaydar. It's a great... Uh, uh, what a way to start the season. I think this is, this is one of the episodes that won the award. And um, one of the... DVDs, I, this is a weird one. The Office did an interview with the Pally Center for Media or whatever back in 2007. The Office at Pally Fest, 2007. And only one of the DVDs, I think the Target release, had it on there. Uh, so this is this is, um, this is is a clip from the panel. of uh, the, It's all the Office members on this panel. Uh, even the side characters. We've got Roy and we got Stanley up there. And they're talking about the infamous uh, gay kiss from this episode, I mean, I'll just let them talk about it.
1: I mean, that
2: has to be the first it's a full-on boy on boy kiss at 830, eight thirty eight eight thirty
1: pm. on lad nominated by the way. <laughs> was Did, um, by did Glad. that
2: cause the network any
0: pause? Well, it wasn't actually in the script. <laughs> and, uh...
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Steve Girl raises his glass to the crowd.
2: And Don't I'd real, like to recreate time. it for
3: you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Steve Grill is confidently walking over across the stage. Doesn't miss a beat. Oscar stands up and they recreate the famous kiss with all the cast members laughing in the background and applauding. As Steve walks confidently back to his seat and puts his mic back on. <clears throat>
1: So what was in the script was that he, uh, he would,
3: <laughs>
1: that Michael would kiss Oscar uh, on the, you know, Oscar would turn his head and he would kiss him on the cheek <laughs> a little bit. And um, so we did several takes of that, you know, and we're, you know, a bunch of us are in the conference room watching. And, and then once Steve doesn't let Oscar turn away. <laughs> We're like, and he gets closer. And you know, We're in the scene acting as people watching. You know, their their character boss kiss. You know this character, and then he gets closer and closer, and. It's, it gets so creepy and, <laughs> and no longer say now we're just sitting there as people watching like our kind of real boss and, kiss one of the employees
2: and, and I Paul Paul and, I knew it when he was like th- they reached a point where he just went too far and I'm like this asshole
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: when he was like this close I'm like oh yeah right. oh yeah it's doing it it's happening <laughs> Everyone's laughing, but thank God they kept the cameras on us so we were able to use because everyone was just dying.
0: So, yeah, a great scene. Again, uh, we probably mentioned it when we talked about that episode, but improvised scene, famous scene. More of that interview could be found online in clips. I'll, I'll play a few more clips on here, but and I'll go into later about the DVDs, how they totally split them up and made them weird like that. Where only one of the DVDs that you buy from Target has that whole interview on it? I don't know. The full story. It still upsets me to this day. But moving on to episode two, the next must-watch episode, the convention. Great out-of-the-office episode. Michael and Dwight meet up with Jim and his new manager, Josh, at a convention. Pam goes back into the dating world on a blind double date with Kelly and Ryan. And uh, Michael gets another, uh, speaking of competence, you know, oh my god, I can't speak. (laughs) Michael gets an opportunity. To show his competence in the face of corporate scrutiny, or at least Jan's scrutiny at the convention, he lands that deal with Hammermill, despite seeming to just goof off and party the whole time. Fun memorable episode here. Uh, Moving on, though, to episode three, The Coup. Uh, (laughs) We're three for three so far. Dwight conspires with Angela to take Michael's job. Great memorable betrayal and retribution when Dwight is groveling at Michael's feet in front of the whole office. And uh, also memorable for being the, uh, the Call of Duty episode in the Stanford. These first handful of episodes in the season are really split between the Stanford and the, Sta- and the Scranton. Which brings us to episode four, grief counseling. Michael makes his former manager's death all about him and has an existential crisis. Meanwhile, Jim flirts it up with Karen. You may remember this as the Funeral for a Bird episode. Uh... Sort of, this one made the must-watch because of the, besides it just being a great funny episode, it's the Jim starts flirting it up with Karen. It it gets into more of a Michael sympathy episode. I don't know. Episode 5 initiation. (laughs) Moving on the list. We're 5 for 5. Great episode, again. Dwight takes Ryan to Shroot Farms to teach him the ways of the paper salesman. We get to see Shroot Farms for the first time. We get to see Moe's. I might be greatly mistaken. I'm pretty sure it's the first time we get to see shoot Farms. Any, uh, the other time I'm thinking of might be from season four. Uh, cousin Moe makes his first appearance. Great one. Uh, uh, meanwhile, this is also the Pretzel Day episode back at the office. Uh, this is another episode that shows Michael's competence in the face of corporate or Jan scrutiny. So Jan makes Pam document everything Michael does and only at the end of the day. Coming out of the food coma, Michael casually reveals he landed a huge client, just like the hammer mill thing. Really memorable for the shrewd farms and all the weird hazing Dwight does, and then they go and egg the client that they didn't get the sale at. Fun episode. Season three is packed full of them. Moving on episode six for six for six, uh, Diwali. This is another one that's potentially not a must-watch, but I would also call it a can't-miss episode. It's such a fun one. And it's another great episode of the, dun- like, you know, the, the Dundies or the Booze Crews, the whole office is just out at some event, not just one or two characters. Michael proposes to Carol in this episode. It was eight weeks, I don't know how long, it, far too soon into their relationship. And there's more Jim and Karen flirting, but the episode is mostly great for fleshing out all the side characters of the office and how they have fun at this, you know, unique cultural event, introducing uh, an Indian celebration to... Americans that they would never, never, otherwise know about Diwali. I still don't feel like I know much about Diwali, but I wouldn't even know it exists if not for the office. This brings us to episode seven, and now it's it's it really is hard to to cut down a list of episodes which are must watch in this season because there are a lot of strong like multi episode series arcs. There's a lot of like this one is branch closing. This is a resolution to the to a series long plot. You can't not miss this episode, but there's also some build up in the season to it, so you got to watch all the episodes before it. I mean, come on. Branch closing, great episode, must watch. Michael breaks the news too early that Dunder Mifflin has voted to merge the Scranton branch into Stamford. Uh the office reacts to the news in their own respective hilarious ways, but Michael and Dwight in particular steal the show staking out the CFO David Wallace's house. I've mentioned I love this moment. Uh uh the situation is more out of their control than anyone can imagine. And then, surprise twist Josh, the Stanford branch manager, leveraged the whole situation into a new job at rival Staples, and the merger is swapped so that Michael will be manager in charge of the Stanford employees coming over. It's a roller coaster episode. And it's the roller coaster episodes like this that really cement season three as one of, if not the best, season of The Office. This, I'm, I, keep, I keep coming back to a lot of this is I'm trying to convince myself at the same time <laughs> that this is really the best season. Because I do love season two. And season four is pretty great as well. Season five is good. Honestly, most of the seasons we've watched so far are fantastic. So it's really tough to, to nail down which one's the best, as if it's a necessary thing to do. Like, the whole episode is just, you you don't know what's going to happen. And the whole time, Michael is preparing to go and do, like, he's he's up against it. Uh, uh, The clip I'm going to play here is when he's outside of the house and he's prepared to confront David Wallace and has Dwight do his best David Wallace impersonation. Uh, uh, You might recognize the clip here.
3: Do you know what you're going to say when he shows up? I will improvise. I will speak from the heart. No. Bad idea. You need an attack plan. Here. I'll be him. You be you. Let's practice.
0: Okay. Love this dynamic All right
3: too. Love it. Coming home Excuse from work. me.
2: Mr. Wallace? David Wallace? Yes?
3: What is the meaning of this?
2: Can you tell us why you are shutting down Scranton and
3: putting 15 people out of work? Well, the branch is no longer financially viable. It's simple dollars and cents. Yes?
2: but these are employees, sir. These are human
3: beings. Listen, Scott, it's no longer financially viable. We're losing money, okay? It's not a charity, it's a business. And it's a dying business. Look, the whole business model of the small regional paper company simply doesn't make sense anymore. Stop it, just, okay,
2: he's not gonna say any of that. Why, why not? Because he'd be intimidated and I just, let's start again, just be more scared of me, okay? Don't touch
3: me this time. Excuse me, Mr. Wallace. (laughs) I'll
0: take every opportunity to play that clip because I love it. It makes me laugh every time. But yeah, this kicks off a a three-episode arc. So moving on to the second of the three-episode arc, The Merger. These are all must-watch episodes. Uh, Six members of the Dunder Mifflin-Stanford family join the Scranton branch, including Jim, Karen, and Andy. Uh, Andy becomes Dwight's rival, by kissing up to Michael, and Karen becomes Pam's rival, by dating Jim. Uh, And this brings us to the last of the three episode, branch merger arc. One of the Stanford employees is a former criminal, causes the office to tease Michael. It's potentially not a must watch episode, honestly, except that it's the third of the arc, and honestly, uh, you got some prison Mike in there. You can't miss prison Mike. Brings us to, of course, the next must watch episode. We are on 10 or 11, out of 10 or 11, Benny Haunted Christmas. Amazing episode. Raises the bar for a Christmas party episode. I think I spoke highly about it during that episode, and so I don't need to say too much about it again. Carol breaks up with Michael. Andy cheers him up at Benihana's with Jim and Dwight. They somehow convince some waitresses to return to their party, and <laughs> so many antics. Uh, meanwhile, Pam and Karen bond over the party planning committee. They manage to put on a great party despite Angela's efforts, and then everything all comes together in the end. It's a very wholesome episode with a bunch of just... Very non wholesome. It's great. Uh, it also ends on a cliffhanger. Who said yes to Michael's Jamaica invite? Was it one of the waitresses? Was it Carol? Was it his mother? <laughs> Brings us to episode 12 back from vacation. It was Jan. Uh, and this is a, another classic office episode. Michael accidentally shares the picture. You might know what I'm talking about with the whole office. <laughs> and, but then Jan shows up, doesn't know about the picture, wants a relationship. Uh, super funny episode. Love the interactions with Daryl in it. There's also a great bit where Pam helps Jim with his Karen moving in nearby problem. Shows that she's willing to still be friends, even though the whole, you know, their roles are reversed for this season. Now it's it's, it's Pam going after Jim, even though he's in a relationship. And now that's awkward. And Karen isn't making it easy. Not that it's her job, to. <laughs> Karen really gets the a bum rap for this season. And honestly, it's it's... It, Wrong place, wrong time. It's 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 good that we get to see that later episode, that later season where Karen's doing great as the branch manager in Utica or something. Brings us to episode 13. We're on 13 out of 13. It's Traveling Salesman. This is the episode where Dwight resigns. It, it ramps up so well because the resignation doesn't end, doesn't come to the very end. Uh, this is the one where everybody is the traveling salesman. Uh, the sales team are all paired off for sales calls. You get those fun, great dynamics between the respective teams, uh, you get Jim and Dwight, Stanley and Ryan, you got your uh, you got your Karen and Phyllis, and then of course the Andy, you know, the little worm in Michael's ear telling him to fire Dwight the whole time. Andy really brings out the antagonism, the antagonist role in this episode, I should say. Oh boy, we're only halfway through the season, and so far every episode's been a must-watch. <laughs> So, I mean, rolling on through this one here, uh, episode 14, (laughs) The Return, classic infamous episode. Dwight gets a job at Staples. These are high stakes episodes. Every we just finished this resolution of a of that three episode arc. We have the great Christmas episode. Jumping right back into a new whole conflict of of Dwight's going to be leaving and and Andy's ruining the office vibe, Uh, which is why it's pretty great in this episode that Andy blows up over that classic phone prank and punches a wall getting sent to anger management training. We all know it well. This episode's also notable because Jim reveals to Karen that he still has feelings for Pam, and the love triangle thickens, bringing us to episode 16, Phyllis's Wedding. I skipped Ben Franklin. It's the, It might be the only episode that's not must-watch status. And as much as I do love Andy Daly it's not necessarily a must watch episode it's kind of a fun build-up to phyllis's wedding but phyllis's wedding itself is the must watch for a while i think until dinner party comes along phyllis's wedding was probably the reigning champion of most awkward episode with all of those michael antics i still cringe every time the ladies and gentlemen may i present to you i'm just gonna play the clip i can't do it justice And do you Phyllis take oh, Bob? God, Vance, this is only France 9 minutes into the episode. Good lord! I do.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, may I present to you for the first time as a couple, Mr. and Mrs. Bob Vance.
0: Oh my god.
3: And do you Bob take oh, Phyllis sh- to be your lawfully wedded wife?
0: I do. You may now kiss the bride.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, for those go a couple Mr. Mrs. Puppet! Okay, I'm
0: just going to turn this off. I can't sit through that again. Oh my god. Also, Pam gets back with Roy. What an episode. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Living in episode 17, Business School. Uh, this is another great episode for Michael Antics that aren't quite as cringy and make you fucking detest him. Uh, this is a real Michael sympathy episode. He shows a lot of heart. Uh, It starts out him being the guest speaker at Ryan's school where Ryan sort of set him up to fail. He's just getting peppered with questions about his failing industry that he's a manager in. But then it all turns around. He goes to Pam's art show and he gets to make Pam's day by making the only genuine compliments to her at the whole show. Um, There's a lovable scene between the two at the very end. Great relationship building episode between Michael and Pam. Makes Michael a very likable character. There's also the episode directed by Joss Whedon where Jim was a vampire. (laughs) Moving on to episode 18, cocktails. That's right. It's another episode in a row. Everyone's going out for drinks, be it at the local bar or be it at the CFO's cocktail party. There are really fun and funny scenes at the party and at the bar. A lot of fun drinking games, a lot of fun party interactions. Um, There's the whole Karen totally ripping into Jim for not telling her about Pam in a fun way. Uh, But ultimately this episode shows Jan and Michael's relationship to be really crazy and inappropriate. Uh, And it also shows Roy to not be as good of a guy as everybody thought he totally was. Everyone was like, Roy's a great guy now, weren't they? And turns out Roy isn't that great of a guy and he wants to totally kill Jim bringing us to episode 19, the negotiation, the episode where Roy attacks Jim. This is also the episode where Michael and Daryl attempt to get raises. It's a great one. Not much else to say. Must watch. Episode 20, Safety Training. <laughs> Another classic episode. And I keep saying all these are classic episodes, but if we're talking, like, moments that are memorable in episode, Michael's speech about depression on the roof of the office building. Forever enshrined in office classic moments, without a doubt. I don't think you could deny it. Like, fun, fun episode all around, and that's just the, the, the centerpiece to it all. But moving on, episode 21, Product Recall. I'm really trying to fire through these. I uh, I did the thing where I'm, I'm making every single episode but one be a must-watch episode because we're getting into the episodes where you know it's going to be the finale and you know these last few are absolutely must-watch. But Product Recall, episode 21, the Obscene Watermark episode, alternatively the Andy Dates a High Schooler episode, or the Bears Beats Battlestar Galactica cold open episode, all around must-watch brings us to episode 22 potentially not a must watch i was on the fence about this one but michael breaks up with jan and pam makes us fun police sketch posters of dwight the pervert good bit episode 23 penultimate episode if i was really making a must watch list and not just a really good episode list that i only took one episode off of that is still a good episode but maybe not a must the episode's running long it's no longer a mini-sode because I'm listing every episode giving a summary of them, but if I really were to make a must-watch list and not just a good episode list, this would have to be on it. Beach games. Too much good character development and interaction. Like, every single beach game is a fun... uh, You have Ryan arguing with people, you have the sabotage of Andy going into the lake, you have all the parts that aren't even the main plot of like this is whole this is all thing is a scheme to pick the new manager and Pam finally gets the courage to speak up her feelings to the whole office must watch episode you can't watch the finale without watching this episode it it it's the culmination of so much in the season and uh, and, and 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 really does that flip flop of season 2 where where it's Jim going and saying his feelings to Pam Pam is finally coming out and saying her feelings to Jim and you know the finale itself The job. Of course, it's a must-watch. It's on the list. What a finale. Wouldn't be a rundown without it. If I'm still on the fence about which season is better, this finale pushes it over the edge. (laughs) I've convinced myself now. I was on the fence this whole time, and now I've convinced myself. It just seems so much bigger and better than Season 2. Season 2 had, like, a perfect finale. Seemingly. (laughs) I'm really just talking shit about it. I can't actually talk shit about season two. But this one ends on what I feel is a much better note. Season two ends on that cliffhanger. Season three, you leave a really satisfying conclusion. Series long, will they, won't they, ends with uh, Jim asking Pam out on a date at the very end. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't end on a cliffhanger is what I'm saying. It, it it ties in scenes from the previous beach episode they really make it seem like like this was the narrative that the quote-unquote documentary crew was going for with the show and it is hard not to come away from the season three finale with that big old smile on your face that last scene is just i'm gonna watch it again real quick and edit back from a break here i just watched the whole episode again it's great i'll watch it anytime fun stuff what a finale <laughs> And I, I, you know, I forgot about the part where after the satisfying conclusion to the Jim Pam thing, they even show who got the job instead of leaving it open ended. They really make it seem like it's going to be left open ended. And then they totally pull a fast one in the post or pre-credit sequence post like final commercial of when it actually airs in the block or whatever. It reveals that (laughs) Ryan of all people is going to be taking Jan's job. Fantastic. It it, it it builds up hype for what's coming next instead of just raising questions. The only thing left open-ended that I recall is the nature of Jim and Karen's relationship. Sort of implied and confirmed at the start of season four that it's ended, so no big deal. But uh, it sort of has the advantage over season two in that it is a full two-part episode instead of just an extended one. So they're able to fit in more jokes and little plots and misdirects with their relationships and who's going to be manager and whatnot. But uh, we get that very satisfying scene of Dwight being given what he's always wa- always wanted—manager. Only for it to be taken away. Michael never left. Uh, what a finale! What a season! Season three—I'm saying it—best season of the office. Uh, sorry, I'm. <laughs> Stir my drink. So, in terms of season rankings so far, I'm three, two, one, with <laughs> two being a very close second. But moving on, in terms of DVD rankings, the season three DVD has some cool features on it. Then we'll see if the season two DVD is better. Uh, season three DVD. Oh my god, I need a breather. This is this is too long for a minisode. The season three DVD has the usual commentaries on it. We got the coup initiation, all the must-watch episodes, uh, <laughs> uh, bloopers and deleted scenes, all worth a watch. You know what you'd expect from these DVDs. But getting into the special features here. We have a short video, Kevin Cook's stuff in the office. Kevin's cooking show for the documentary crew. Uh, I think we covered this in the podcast back in the day, but you can find the video on YouTube. It's a silly one. See, there's the 2006 NBC primetime preview. Um, It's a series of original scenes made for an NBC primetime preview to introduce new programs. Uh, You can also find this on YouTube. Some of this stuff isn't available, but this is. Had some great original bits. They aren't included in any episode. Uh, saltine eating competition with Pam and Jim and Dwight. Let's see. We have the Toby wraparounds. Then these ones are interesting. I couldn't actually find these online, so I'm actually I'm, I'm going to play the. I'm going to go to the DVD and just see if I can rip the audio for this because it's it's this. These are weird. How do I explain this? I'll just read this directly. Uh, on March 29th, two thousand seven. Toby hosted a night at the office marathon on NBC featuring human resource nightmares and also an episode of some other show. And these were the clips played in between uh, Toby wraparounds wraparounds like they, they were the, they wrapped around the episodes little bookends on the episodes, if you will. But these are funny bits with Toby. It's hard to say how canonical these are, but um, they're really hard to find online. I could not find them. So like I said, I'm just going to play the whole clip now that I've found it. Three minutes long. Uh, It's a fun one.
1: Hi, I'm Toby Flenderson. Or, speak up. Hi, I'm Toby Flenderson. Or, as Michael refers to me, worthless. Or everything that's wrong with the paper industry. Or the devil's butthole. Or the mayor of Creepsville. Or Gargamel. Or human fart. I prefer Toby. This feels loud. Am I am I being too loud? H R. Nineteen years back in of Toby's point. office. I, I I don't know if I'd call him that. You know, nightmare implies it's something you wake up from. You know, this is more of an unrelenting daymare, kind of this never-ending dreamscape of horror. What'd it feel like to slap Michael?
3: I told you already.
1: Yeah, but tell me again. I mean, there must be something else you remember. I
2: just got really mad at him and I hit him.
1: <laughs> yeah. So when I finally redid our healthcare plan, I picked an HMO. And Michael came to me and he said, Why'd you pick a homo? And I said, I didn't. And that's a derogatory word for a gay person. And he said, That's what you are. And I said, Okay, I gotta go. And he called me a slut. Hey Angela.
4: Hi Toby. I was wondering if you would please repeat the sexual harassment seminar.
1: Why would you want me to do that?
4: Because there are people here who maybe are confused about female anatomy, you know, and they could probably use a refresher course. Oh,
1: well. Thank you,
4: Toby.
1: After Michael grilled his foot, he spent three months inventing a foot-safe version of the George Foreman grill. He called it the magic no-ouchy meat machine. It's actually a George Foreman grill in a bunny cage. Sometimes when I come into work, I ask myself if this were my last day on Earth, what would I do differently? Well... I'd wear a t-shirt and I'd order a French dip sandwich and I'd eat the whole thing and I'd blow this building up and I'd go swimming and I'd drink wine. What? Human resources. It's not just a job, it's a way of life. I wish it was just a job.
0: So yeah, then not. You can see why those those wouldn't. Say, all be, hey. uh, those wouldn't. Oh boy, DVD menu music. Uh, those wouldn't all be probably good enough to make it on the main episode. But I loved him listing his names of that Michael calls him and the talking about blowing up the office. Like Toby is depressed. <laughs> this is a fun little bonus feature. This is on all the I think it's disc two of the season three DVD. Uh, let's see. There's also a Dwight Schrute music video. I don't even want to play the clip of this one. I don't know what this is, I don't know where it came from, it's probably a thing from the internet, but considering the quality of the clips used, it may even be a promo that they made, it's kind of, I don't want to say cringy. the thing I'm doing is fucking cringy. I'm doing a podcast about the, it's very 2007 though, this video, um, I kind of liked it by the end of watching it, but it's, yeah, it, it's, it's not as cringy as the things coming up here, the videos from The Office make your own promo contest, these actually make no sense. I thought they were from some other country because they use a weird logo for The Office, but it's all from people in different states on like the East Coast in the middle of the—it's a weird one. There's also a Joss Whedon interview on this disc. Um, jumping over to—what is a disc four? I don't know what disc has the other features on it. The Lazy Scranton video and an excerpt from the 58th Annual Primetime Emmy Awards. This is These aren't the Emmys I was talking about. Uh, I think the 59th annual were the one where they nominated for 7-1-2. The 58th, though, uh, started with a segment from host Conan O'Brien where he inserted himself into various popular TV shows. He enters the office from a hatch in Lost, and Dwight thinks that it is a gym prank. Um, this one's also available on YouTube. Fun video. It's only about 30 seconds worth of office stuff. Um, but they, just like Season 2, there were weird exclusives. I already mentioned the Target Those are all the bonus features that are included on every DVD. But the exclusives for Target have that Q and A with the cast and crew with the pally fest. I don't know if they have the full thing or the like seven clips that are available on YouTube. I would love to see the full video of that, but I cannot find the whole thing. And for some reason, they only included it in the Target DVDs. Like, what the fuck? If I'm picking which exclusive was best, it really is a tough because Target does have those exclusives. Target also has uh, a shooting draft of Gay Witch Hunt. Target's Deluxe Edition has a brown case with the Dunder Mifflin logo labeled Nifty Gifty. Um, And I think that those are all the things that it includes, just the extra DVD. But Best Buy has some great promo swag. Stuff we all get. It's their Welcome Aboard kit. This is a famous one. Came with a Dundee. Enough said. Came with a Dwight Schrute mini bobblehead and a little welcome letter in a similar box to Season 2. Clearly... The best one for terms of shit you get with it. Because Circuit City came with a mouse pad with a picture of the cast. And Costco came with a soft lunchbox with the Dunder Mifflin logo. <laughs> but it was bundled with a... I don't know. It's still... It's still just... It grinds my gears that that Pally Fest isn't available on the main DVD. So I'm going to play another clip that they have on YouTube of it. I, I played a clip from it earlier for the for the Gay Witch Hunt episode. But, I mean, here's an example of why... I, I just want to watch this whole thing. It is only maybe... 10 minutes worth of clips on YouTube, but here's Steve Carell on Michael Scott, for example. This is a great clip. It's fantastic. I
2: think he's a man who um, (laughs) clearly lacks (laughs) self-awareness. And I've always said that if he even caught a glimpse of who he really is, his head would explode. (laughs) Um, And some, actually, Ricky said uh, about his character, and I think it applies to Michael Scott too, is that if you if you don't know a Michael Scott, you are Michael Scott. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the last thing I'll say this evening.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's all I have prepared. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's, it's really fun to play, obviously, because he can pretty much get away with saying anything. And the way the writers have uh, created the dialogue, um, he, can, he can say the most incredibly offensive things, and yet he, is, he in and of himself, I don't think is, is an offensive person. I don't think, it, the, the season opener this year was a Gay Witch Hunt, which I, <laughs> I really like this episode a lot because it spoke to the fact that Michael is not a homophobe but he just doesn't understand the world and they're two very very different things it's not it's not that he is intrinsically racist or homophobic or sexist he just doesn't have a frame of reference he doesn't he doesn't really he's not capable of understanding and and once he does glean some understanding he misinterprets it and it becomes something else altogether but i think uh, at least the, the way I feel about the character is that he has a, a decent heart. He's a decent person, and he's just trying his best.
0: I'm really going to pad the end of the episode with clips from this because I love it. This is, That was insightful, straight from the horse's mouth there. Uh, uh, here's an, I'm loading up another clip from Angela Kinsey and Rain Wilson. It's spot on from Steve. I think I played that clip earlier in the podcast, or at least I intended to and forgot, but that's just uh, uh, spot on about the character well-meaning idiot uh, i answered phones
4: at 1-800-dentist for two years i think
0: this is uh, talking about past experience in the office all these clips join in as they've already been answered asked a question the ones on youtube i'm watching anyway
4: 1-800-dentist for two years and um i worked in the call center and i also worked um in the mail room and customer service and it sucks.
3: <laughs>
4: and, I mean, you know, there's good people there, and they provide good service and all, but there definitely are days where you're just punching in and out. And um, I saw the whole hierarchy, especially in the mailroom. Those people know all your business, so, and I definitely relate to that when I play Angela Martin and how serious she takes everything. So. <laughs> I
3: think, you know, uh, for Dwight, uh, I, like I, you know, I said early on to Greg, I remember saying to him or sending him an email, like, very early on, like, I just want to be careful that Dwight is not just this, like, annoying villain, and uh, and, and Greg sent me, like, this page-long ode to Dwight, um, describing how he viewed him and his role in the office, and it's, I, I really should find it somewhere, and put it on the internets, uh, uh, when he was talking about how Dwight has this adolescent love of hierarchies, and uh, that's always stuck with me, and if I ever get a little, like, ungrounded in a scene, or, you know, what am I playing here, like, oh, adolescent love of hierarchies, right, and I'm right right there, so that's kind of, I don't see Dwight as angry uh, at the system, I think, I see him just loving the system, and... um, he would have made an excellent Nazi. <laughs> <laughs>
1: bold statement,
0: bold statement. Uh, yeah, jumping into the last clip here, I'm really just patting the end of this episode. This clip is entitled David Denman and the cast on Working Together, David Denman Roy, of course. But I think uh, uh, Stanley also jumps in on this clip. I might cut you this know, one short. We, but.
3: I, I gotta, I'll say for myself, uh, we all get along really, really
1: well, like even outside of the set. And uh, it, I think it comes from us all sort of wanting to do this show that we believed in that not a lot of people believed in doing the pilot because a lot of people were fans of the original. And they're like, why are you doing that? I mean, I remember my agent saying, you want to go in on this? And like, what? And I'm like, yes, I think this is going to be funny, you know, and I think we all got to see it grow together. So we're all like proud of,
0: of something that we built, you know, and I think True. that helps us all have this common bond that we all, you know,
4: Plus this is such a good group of people to work with. I've worked in real offices before. And you know how you get to work in the morning and you look around at the people who are there and you go like, damn, nobody died on the way here today. <laughs> With this group, I don't feel that way when I get there. I'm actually glad to see them in the morning, but it's ironic that I have to play the part of a person who has to act like, oh, damn, nobody died on the way here. So it's, you know, it's a good change for me. I'm happy now. (laughs) Oh, man. That
0: clip is great. That's Leslie David Baker just cracking Steve Carell and the whole panel up. I could have cued that clip. I better probably just. It, it really seems like they they love working on the show. They love working together. It's and and it shows. It's an entertaining show, and this is like the, the strong ass season as proof. <laughs> I'm really. I said I took a break earlier. I didn't. I'm just running on fumes. I. Uh, I'm probably just gonna wrap it up here. This is no longer a mini This is this is too long. Um I want to thank you again for listening to this mini-sode, and I want to recommend uh, Colby's blog, I know I've had a link to it somewhere on the Twitter, go read Colby's blog, it's more entertaining than me, talking about these recaps, it's him talking about Africa and all the stuff he's been doing, and, uh, you know, thank you again for listening, always will love the feedback, oof, I'm about to, this recording schedule is about to get even tougher, I'm about to go into a weird week or two long, no breaks of work at my job, and then... Oh boy, I've got a, a, a sibling having a baby shower or some shit, ooh wee. Uh, <laughs> looking forward to that. Coming out in two weeks with the Season 4 recap. And uh, I've got a good plan on recording another couple things under my belt. Uh, planning on doing a episode about just the Dunder Mifflin corporate structure. And a lot of these, you know, the mini-sodes will hopefully be minier, but I really couldn't help myself talking as much as i did about season three i could have talked more i really had to cut myself short on a bunch of stuff because this is just a mini-sode and i have stuff to do and this is my one day off in between the fucking, for seven days in a row on that so thank you again for listening i've been your co-host cameron colby's still in africa of course and this has been bears, bears beats, beats battle star galactica bears Beats. <laughs> beats bears beats
1: that'll the light again.